listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. Look, uh, I was going to try not to talk about weather, but I can't help but complain about the cold uh, summer that's uh, uh, underway here in Atlantic Canada. But other than that, look, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I mean, last time we recorded, I think the place was on fire. So, you know, a little bit of rain isn't bad. Yeah, now it's like a month of rain or something. (laughs) Locusts are next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely changed a lot. But it's a very Canadian thing to discuss the weather. I know. I know. I need to move somewhere else and just uh, break the habit. Well, you think that'll change the complaining about the weather part or just the location of the complaining about the weather? Well, I think if I moved someplace that had weather that was less complaining in general, then I may <laughs> complain less. Yeah. But look, we're not here to complain about the weather. Um, I'm here to complain about anything, really. No. I, I'm, I, I'm uh, really excited to get today's conversation underway. It, um, you know, a, 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 a topic I think a lot of um, uh, marketers, particularly marketers and kind of, uh, you know, mid sized manufacturers, um, I wouldn't say struggle with, but that um, they encounter is that, you know, and for a lot of these manufacturers, marketing and sales was pretty easy for 20 or 30 years. And then all of a sudden, some more rigor needs to be applied. There needs to be a foundation built. And um, that can be an interesting journey. So I'm uh, excited to unpack it today. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, it often, you know, you start to see additional sophistication in a category you know, amongst your competitors, new technologies becoming available, people doing things a bit differently. And yeah, like you're saying, you know, it doesn't necessarily work as well as it once did or or maybe you want to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good yeah. into it. Absolutely. So joining us today is Ashley Erwiller. Ashley is the marketing manager at Norland. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Ashley. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be speaking with you both today. Actually, it's uh, everybody says that at the start of the show. It's really whether you're thrilled at the end that I'm curious about. <laughs> I'm sure I'll have the same attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, I- I- introduce us to uh, yourself. Uh, our listeners want to know more about uh, you and uh, how you found yourself at New Orleans. So um, I've been um, pretty much in marketing my entire life. When I was in high school, I... Um, took an HTML coding class, so I've been building websites ever since, uh, you know, I was in high school. And <laughs> that just kind of evolved into, you know, when I decided what I wanted to do with my life, I just noticed I was uh, always noticing what companies were doing and what they, I was always, you know, just very curious about how they were attracting customers. And I just um, kind of, you know, developed a passion for marketing and um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to uh, work in a lot of different industries and with a lot of different um, products and in B2B and B2C. And I've just I've just had a good, um, good history of, um, you know, learning how to do everything, I guess, that the world of marketing incorporates. Yeah, it's easy, I think, when you're uh, first getting into marketing, especially to uh... Uh, that jack of all trades, master of none type of uh, <laughs> scenario. Although I'm always reminded of the last part of that, which is 
uh, jack of all trades, master of none is oftentimes better than a master of one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, people don't always uh, take appreciation for the second half of that. But that is, I think, the, the nature of, of marketing. And uh, tell our listeners what Norlin does, if you would. Sure. So, uh, so Norlin International um, is a water equipment manufacturer. So we design and assemble everything from water treatment equipment to blow molders to uh, water filling lines for either you know small 16 ounce bottles all the way up to three to five gallon bottles. Uh, we also have a couple of um, subsidiaries. Uh, Abe Equipment is one um, that's been around for um, since 2013. Um, I guess I should jump back. Norlin, we're actually ending our 30th year business here at the end of June. So, uh, yeah, so we've been around for 30 years. And um, but back to Abe Equipment, they um, basically specialize in anything um, for the craft beverage maker. So from brew houses to distillery equipment to canning lines and really everything in between. You know, we try and uh, say that we're a one-stop shop that uh, if you need an entire water bottle plant or an entire brewery or anything, uh, we really have all the equipment you need um, from A to Z. Uh, so um, on top of that, we also have a local water delivery company as um, one of our one of our companies um, that delivers water to Lincoln and the surrounding areas. So it's proudly located in Lincoln, Nebraska for our listeners, I believe. Yes, we are. So speaking about weather, this is one place you do not want to move. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard that. We've heard that. But we share it's there's solidarity for sure. I think that's really interesting, though, that you have this water delivery company that uses the products that the parent company manufactures. And it, there aren't a lot of manufacturers who get to experience kind of the end consumer part of the use of their products and th that interaction. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because it is it is a small part of it. But, you know, is that something that you find that you learn unique things from that can be applied to the business more broadly? Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's been great. Um, obviously, the water side. Um, having that insight into, because uh, we're our, we're essentially our own customer, you know, I mean, we understand, again, what all, what all you need to be a successful um, water bottling plant. And um, I think the owners did a really good job at that from the, you know, inception of the company was really understanding that, um, how difficult it is to get into this industry and you know, how are we going to make that really easy for people? And um, and then we've also gone as far as to create our own beverage products, you know, so we've created a cold brew coffee, we've created a tea, we've dipped our toes into some different um, alcohols. And so, yeah, so we've really, um, like you said, just, you know, gotten into trying to understand exactly what our customers, people that we're building this equipment for, go through. So it has um, helped us a lot, I think. Yeah, I can't, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, the mind uh, wanders at imagining all the different ways that you could, that that would impact it, you know, that you could, it was really would instill a level of empathy for customers that is pretty rare. Um, it's just because I don't think it can, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of how you would replicate it otherwise, right? Well, we've had 200 people on this show, and I think this is the first time this has ever happened. Oh, well, that's, that's awesome. 
So, and that's a big part of too. We, I mean, we have such, you know, just brilliant people that work here and our customer service team travels and helps, you know, um, install the equipment and go through the whole startup process. And, you know, we really try and um, for those kind of, you know, our range is mostly mid, mid to large, but we have started catering to the smaller entrepreneurs. Um, and so it's helpful when we are dealing with, um, with people that are kind of just getting into it because, you know, just our staff is so experienced that we can really just point people in the right direction. This is what you're going to need. Uh, you know, we can customize our equipment to fit um, their space and um, meet their production capacities. So, so there is just a lot of um, it's just an embedded understanding, really, uh, of that end user. It sounds like um, definitely is it used as a closing tool at all? Like, do you ever bring in prospects to show them kind of your machines in operation within your own properties? Definitely, we actually, you know, we invite tours, and so we constantly have people that um, are coming to tour our campus. We have one hundred forty thousand square foot campus across four buildings um so it's um we have a very large campus we always have uh, equipment that we're obviously making testing so people can really get you know the understanding of of what we do here so we definitely encourage um people to come take tours and see meet meet everybody and see what you know meet faces of who they're gonna be working with so that's uh, that's really cool look um I want to kind of understand the evolution of the marketing team of one four years ago, um, and you're you're staring down the barrel of of really um, looking to uh, I don't know if it's reinvent or invent from scratch in some way the go to market approach here. Um, uh, talk to me, you guys. Take me through the uh, that that path that you've you've taken in, in terms of setting the foundation and 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 growing your team as a result sure so um, i've been with the company almost four years uh, when i came on to um to the company um there, it was just you know just me and um we you know i've actually had that experience in a lot of other uh companies that i've worked for as i've been the main person that's handled the websites, handled the social media, handled the newsletters, handled, you know, just all that. And um, so I came on and it was just, we really, um, let's see, we'd gone, you know, so long without having really anyone that was in marketing. And so we had 20 year old materials, everything was very outdated. You know, we just really needed to step into the 21st century. Um, and a lot, and a lot of that was just because the company ha, was just on an, on the upward. I mean, ever since it was um, it began, and so they didn't really have to work hard at marketing. And I feel like we kind of hit this pivotal time, um, and then you know, obviously, COVID happened and all that, where it was um, just things were changing, you know, and we really needed to uh, just to to grow those marketing efforts, and so. Um, with my expertise and just things that I noticed, I was able to kind of just start obviously shaping um, what our priorities should be and, um, you know, just kind of pointing out 
where we needed more um, of a workforce, obviously, to support all of these efforts that we were um, then needing to expand into. And so um, we, I mean, we tried to hire, when I had came on, we actually were uh, working with an agency and um, we continued to work with them for, for about a year and we just didn't have the control that we needed. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, you really need to be in the, the buildings and in our business to really understand kind of everything. And um, so I just, you know, kind of had led that by saying we really need, you know, a web developer, a graphic designer, a social media person, blah, blah, blah. And so, so you begin to build out that team as you uh, basically um, uh, reshape the digital assets. I'm guessing uh, launch a new website from the sounds of things if you brought a developer in house. Um, what have been the what have been some of the major shifts in that? Like, have you um, what have been some of the major changes in how you're messaging the company as a result? Yeah. So I mean, we've we've gone through. We've been trying to. Um, you know, been going through quite a discovery phase in the last couple of years, trying to understand, obviously, the best way to um, portray our products. And um, so we've done a couple different websites and we just launched um, two recent, you know, two revised ones, two brand new ones for Norland and Abe. And um, two years ago, well, we also have gone through some rebranding. Um, um, Abe, Abe equipment was American beer equipment, um, prior to 2020, 2020, we, we renamed it to Abe beverage equipment. And then, um, here in 2022, uh, we dropped the beverage and now it's just Abe equipment. Um, so originally the, when we made the, our new quote unquote new websites, um, in 2020, uh, they were, they were very industry focused. Um, you know, and uh, basically we, it was kind of a messy user experience. So uh, we decided to, you know, obviously, I mean, you, it's normal for companies to do a new website every two to three years. And so it's kind of like, as soon as we got done with one, we started looking at how we could make it better and almost working on the next one. And so um we basically, you know, just kind of um, took a chance, took a, um, a focus on what what solutions our customers were looking for, um, and um, you know, equipment is very very specific by nature. People know what they're looking for. They know what their electrical hookups are. They know what their limitations of their space are. They know what product they want to produce, and so it was really like. Um, instead of being very industry specific, we decided to just focus on the core uh, of our products. You know, is it in what category that fits into? So is it a filling line? Is it a canning line? Is it a brew house? And um, there's also been in the last couple of years, a lot of crossover in industries for us. You know, um, breweries are starting to make their own liquors, brandies, you know, that you can use a mash from your beer to turn it into a brandy. And so we really started noticing that that wasn't really working for us, you know, is that like, um, we don't want to say, here's the only equipment you should be interested in if you're a brewer. We want to obviously open that door to here's the other equipment that, you know, you might want to 
look into. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, you see a lot of brewers that moving into non-alcoholic is a is a huge category. Uh, seltzers, um, even I know some brewers that brew soft drinks and things mm-hmm. of that sort. So they they think of themselves, yeah, quite um, in an oddly uh, multi-industry. Uh, Kind of worldview. That's an interesting shift. I, I would say most often I've seen manufacturers move from product centricity to industry or solution centric selling. This is one of the few examples I think, Jeff, where I've seen it in reverse. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do, and and it is it is really interesting. And and I wonder, you know, what what were the the triggers that you saw there, Ashley? Was it were you seeing search terms on your site? Were you seeing traffic? Was it um, customers and prospects telling you that they were kind of looking for specific products and not necessarily like beer focused uh, categorical things? Or, or yeah, that's an interesting question. Were there digital signals or? There was, there was, so all of those things you mentioned. So um, as far as analyzing like our website traffic, when we would, and we had our AdWords, obviously, um, were very um, industry focused. And I just, you know, was noticing we had a lot of drop-offs, a lot of bounces on those um, pages, you know, that were, that we built. Like the beginning of our website, it would, you you would come to a picture and then you'd come to pictures and you'd have to pick which industry. And then that landing page would then, kind of lists all the equipment used in that industry. And then we'd have product pages, but it seemed like people wouldn't go on to visit the product pages. They would just drop off at the industry pages. And so that to me was kind of a red flag. Like, why are they not wanting to learn more about the products themselves? Same same way with our, our keywords that we use. People were not, you know, if you were looking for um, a canning line for soda, you're already in, you're already know that your your product is soda so you're not typing in canning line for soda you're just typing in canning line you know and especially with with seo i mean that's probably what i have my my expertise the most in um is that you know you you only have such a limited amount of copy that you can put on a page and you really need to understand what your top keywords are i mean uh, we did have that outsource and at one time we had like 3,000 keywords. And then, at, um, I don't know, this whole Google beta thing had jumped. At one point, we had 12,000 keywords in our, <laughs> which was a nightmare. And <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just not possible to really have consistent and good traffic if if you have that, that much that, you know, you're, and, and that's also, I mean, anyone that does uh, SEO, I feel like does it differently. Um, so that's just my, my expertise is less is more. <laughs> well, I, I think too, especially, you know, that's a recipe for waste in PPC, you know, a lot of extra spend. I wonder too, and, and this, this may be entirely self-reference criteria. I don't know, but I know a number of brewers, they're all know-it-alls. So every single one of them, they know, they know their product, they know what they need. They have a really good understanding of how to produce it. And I wonder if maybe that kind of, especially within the craft beverage industry, you know, I, I think they, uh, 
you know, they, they do certainly identify as experts even before they're coming in. So I, I wonder if that kind of draws them to be interested in a product to. So you mean they may be less likely than then ask about the application of that product in yeah. the specific industry and in their query? Yeah, yeah exactly. maybe. I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. That that like I said, entirely kind of self-reference criteria from the, the the handful of brewers that I know personally. Well, and that's you know, we've incorporated that into our website and our sales sheets. It's just we're um, much more specific. We, you know, tell people just bam, here's all the specs that you need. Um, but again, we're also very customizable. And so we try and make that very evident on on everything that we put out there, just so that um, you know, if if you need something to be um steam versus electric like for a brew house i mean obviously we offer both so um we try not like you know limit things too much but explain to people exactly what the specs are of every piece of equipment curious what have been uh, some of your biggest surprises as you've uh, as you've been growing this marketing foundation and really shaping the way norland goes to market yeah so um again kind of when i had started we we didn't have a lot of background information. We kind of knew who we thought our our customer base was. And um, again, after kind of diving into our different analytics, so um, diving into like our social media um, followers, I discovered on um, a certain channel, we had more Spanish speaking followers than English. And we are an international company. We have um, distributors all across the globe. We have um, a partner in the United Kingdom, one over in Australia and New Zealand, um, one in Canada. So um, basically discovering this, it, we kind of, you know, decided it was just kind of a light bulb. We need to be making our materials um, and everything and our presence in those those regions of, um, of the world maybe more prominent. And so since then, we obviously we um, changed a lot of our our. Um, sales collateral to be in different languages. So we changed a lot of um, marketing materials to be in Spanish. Um, We also found out we had a large representation of um, uh, people that spoke um, Vietnamese. And so we had had, um, translated some of our materials to to Vietnamese and had sent that to you know, our distributors. And then we also had formed a, basically, um, uh, we created a relationship with another distributor that specializes in South America. And so... um, Yeah, that's a huge batch of change out of one insight. Right. And, you know, one of our sales gentlemen is Spanish speaking. um, And so we already already knew, I mean, that we had Spanish speaking customers. We just didn't realize social media wise, how, how many we had. And, um, you know, and that also has allowed us to um, up our representation at more trade, trade shows in Central America and South America. Um, our salespeople travel all over and they're in, I mean, a, a ton of trade shows every year. So that's obviously one of our business tools, but. Yeah. Weird bit of curiosity here, Ashley. I'm just wondering, um, uh, how, is there a good size a chunk of that Spanish interest that's also just coming from the United States? I appreciate some of it is going to impact what you do in South America and uh, distribution relationships and, and things of that nature elsewhere in the world. But I, I would think in this category, there might be a growing 
area just out of North America or just out of the U.S.? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, it's kind of you obviously have to compare kind of bits of information from everywhere and then make a make a picture out of it. And so looking at um, actual like website visitors, I mean, that's, you know, a big a larger chunk of that 60% of that is Americans, but the rest is really divided between, I mean, we have found um, exactly kind of Peru, you know, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, specific spots um, that those people are coming from, you know, and obviously state-wise, we know um, state-wise kind of where we get a lot of traffic. So, um, you know, we've done certain like uh, emails, personalized to two different regions based on um, what we, I don't know, what we have going on. And right, right. I don't want to hog up all the uh, questions, Jeff. <laughs> Actually, I thought um, one of the things that we chatted about earlier was this idea that, you know, being, even if you're not organizing your content by industry, you do, of course, recognize that, you know, people are involved in these different product lines in different industries and you know that's that's a real opportunity for upsell you know to somebody who's as we were talking about earlier is currently making craft beer but might want to be moved to move into vodka and things like that but uh, you know there are different industry sites and uh, different content areas that you can be present so that they get a sense of what abe and, and norland have to offer how are you tackling that that upsell to uh you know, to let people know that, that you can help them with any sort of uh, beverage category, no matter what it is. Sure. So um, the biggest thing we probably do is in our digital ads with that. Um, we have certain, um, obviously, advertisers and publications that we continue to um, to put our, our print ads and digital ads in. Those are obviously, you know, still based in around brewing and distilling, but we've also dipped our toes into coffee and uh, wine industries. And so we kind of use um, some of the, you know, we obviously circulate them and have different campaigns that we do, but there are some that we do, let's say on like the beer websites that have uh, like a a still and then we say turn your mash into money you know that was a recent one so we kind of just visualize that and just to kind of maybe plan a little um, nugget or resonate with what we already know customers are looking into thinking about and getting into so um, you know we also on those um, all those websites you know we have just kind of generic ones where it just has um, just has whatever equipment like maybe um, like um, coffee, for example, the coffee industry um, will, you know, put canning lines on that. And then the thought is kind of once you um, have what you need and then uh, you might, you know, obviously come back for um, as your production grows more equipment or different equipment, or then you might add on a labeler or whatever. So, um, so we try and I think more so is visually try and portray that to upsell i think it's kind of a fascinating thing to imagine that the the upsell being encouraged by the company that makes the equipment that packages the product or that <laughs> right like like you know in some way you would think that the idea of uh, of turning your mash into money might 
might be one that originates a little bit before you think about how you're going to package it or, or, or bring it to market. But there's a, there's a, I, I'm also thinking that it's a, it's a, a cool bit of familiarity in some ways. If you're a brewer and you're going to get into uh, making seltzers or sodas or whatever, fact of the matter is you may need to make them a bit differently, but how you package them is probably largely the same. Is, and yep. there'd be a lot of comfort in that, like to know that we already have that part sorted. Exactly. And and that's kind of something, again, that we've been seeing with the whole, I mean, a, a big portion of that is breweries that are getting into distilling. And so, um, you know, we just, we understand that. And so we, we just know that um, if they have that equipment. It's just it's just so much easier for them to get into different product lines and therefore make more money. So we just really try and capitalize on on that knowledge that we have of that. Um, I'd be uh, the last question I would have on that. Uh, how far down the path of uh, kind of adv- providing adv- advice or guidance on the on the business rationale behind that. How far do you get there on the marketing side? Like, do you actually like encouraging uh, brewers, look, you can add 30% more profit if you also make sodas. Like, are we getting to that level or is that like a bridge too far? No. Are you trying to, are we trying to figure out kind of how, how we, um... I'm thinking like the bit, almost the business modeling of the, of that, uh, that product expansion and is something that you guys would know fairly well since you actually uh, work as an end end user of your own product in some instances, right? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we've even, um, we're trying to create obviously more content around that. Um, there's still, I think, a lot of uncertainty in brewers. They still don't understand the steps that you need to take to become, um, you know, because there's there are different regulations in um, the, on the legal side of things and on the production side of things. And so, I mean, we even went on to um, create a small like video series with one of our sales people that specifically talked about, um, you know, the, the, here's the things that you need to do. Here's the TTV regulations you need to follow. Here's the website. Go, this is how you start. You know, if your production is going to be this, you need this. And again, trying to really bring in that expertise. Whereas if you really don't know, we're trying to help you. And um, if you're really interested in it, we will get you there just by, you know, speaking with our sales and our techs and stuff. We can just, you know, really get you, um, we know how to do it. So just come with us and we'll we'll get you there. So we've tried to, like I said, start making content to, that really kind of dives in, into that more so that it's, becoming more of a um understood thing how, how they can you know yeah that's that's very instructive yeah 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 very cool well ashley thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience with us it's been awesome having you on the show it's been great being part of the show thank you thanks so much all right y'all take care thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.